this is Christian Kirk, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Again, Roster Watch Nation, it's your friendly neighborhood trash man, and this is the fantasy fallout going into week six of the NFL season, brought to you by mybookie.com. More injury heartbreaks abound in what has been a singular NFL season this far. I'm going to tell you how we're going to recover and pivot in this week's fallout, starting right now. First game, Thursday night, Buccaneers at Bears. Buccaneers lost this one 19-20. Ronald Jones had a second 100-plus yard game in as many weeks with Leonard Fournette still sidelined. Jones still has been pretty good for fantasy, but he still has only one score on the year, and I don't think that's good enough to hold off Fournette when he returns. I think you'll be able to flex both players this week against Green Bay. That is, if Fournette is good to go. Rookie Tyler Johnson, Rob Gronkowski, and Cameron Braid all had six targets on Sunday with Johnson leading in yards, 61 of those. Johnson was a beneficiary of every other Tampa Bay wide receiver being either sidelined or at half strength, it seems. So I'm not running to the wire to pick him up. With Gronk and Braid eating into each other's targets, It'll be hard to trust either of them on a weekly basis, especially when the wide receiving core gets healthy. On the other side of the ball, the Bears managed to win this one without really doing much on offense, it seems. Jimmy Graham did score, though, and he now has double-digit fantasy points in three of five games this season. Only 40% ownership. He's someone to target if you need help at the tight end position. On to the next game, the Raiders of the Chiefs. Raiders won this one, 40-32. Everything went right for the Raiders on offense, as no player had double-digit targets. Only one player had more than five. Despite the 40-point game, it's still impossible to rely on any Raiders other than Josh Jacobs, Darren Waller, and maybe Henry Ruggs on a weekly basis. I say maybe about Ruggs because even though he had 118 yards and a touchdown on the day, he still only had three targets. He could just have easily have had 17 yards on that amount. So, you know, take that with a grain of salt. Nelson Aguilar had his third touchdown on the season, but he's averaging only two targets a game. He's a low floor flex in deep leagues. That's all. On the other side of the ball, no surprises on Kansas City's end of things as Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire did most of the heavy lifting. Um, Miko Harmon did get 50 yards on three targets, though, and Sammy Watkins injured his hamstring, so Harmon could be in line for considerable targets in Week 6. He's a no-brainer waiver add at only 40% ownership right now. On to the next game, the Reds, the Reds, the Rams at the Reds. Oh, I can't say the Redskins anymore. I'm, I just said it. <laughs> the Rams had the Washington football team. Rams won this one 30-10. The Rams had a three-headed backfield and a winning effort, so that's not good news. <laughs> 
for really any fantasy owner. Daryl Henderson had the most carries with 15 and a score, but Cam Akers had the most yards, 61 of those on nine touches. Akers didn't really come in until the game was well in hand, so I think Henderson and Malcolm Brown might still be the top two options in the backfield. It's hard to say if that's only because Akers is still recovering from injury, though. If I did have to start one of them this week, though, against the 49ers, it would be Henderson. Gerald Everett, tight end, came out of nowhere to lead the Rams in receiving, picking up 90 yards on four receptions. Both Everett and Tyler Higby are difficult fantasy plays these days with the ball being spread around a lot in L.A. I'd rather go get Jimmy Graham for my money. On the other side of the ball, the Washington football team looked like garbage, regardless of who was under center against the Rams. J.D. McKissick led the team with eight targets, but most of those were from Alex Smith, who probably won't be under center in week six. That'll be Kyle Allen, most likely. Antonio Gibson won't reach his full potential until he takes the passing down action from McKissick, but that probably won't happen anytime soon. So for now, both are low floor flex options in fantasy. On to the next game, Eagles at Steelers. Eagles lost this from 29 to 38. Travis Fulgham broke out on Sunday as the Eagles go-to receiver with a 10 reception, 152-yard, one-touchdown game against the Steelers. This is the second straight week Fulgham has been the guy for the Eagles, and it looks like it could stick, at least for the time being. He needs to be owned either way. Even when injured wide receivers start returning for Philly, there's still enough room for Fulgham in this offense. On the other side of the ball, Chase Claypool, one of my favorite rookie prospects coming into the season, had a coming out party of sorts, seven receptions, 110 yards, and three touchdowns with Deontay Johnson succumbing to a back injury early on Sunday. I like Claypool for fantasy because of his potential as a red zone target, and that potential showed up in a big way on Sunday. With Johnson potentially out for week six, Clay, week six Claypool is a high-ceiling waiver ad wherever you can get him. And you can probably get him in a lot of places right now. Benny Snell had seven carries to James Connors, 15, but he didn't do much with him, only 19 yards. He's worth earning in deeper formats, but you can't really start him anywhere. On to the next game, the Cardinals at the Jets. Cardinals won this one 30-10, big surprise. Chase Edmonds isn't getting enough carries to unseat Kenyon Drake yet, but his use in the passing game is making him an every-week flex. He's still available in over 35% of leagues right now, so go get him. Christian Kirk's usage is starting to creep up. Five receptions, 78 yards, seven targets, as the Cardinals remember that he's their second-best wide receiver. An afterthought in fantasy these days, he needs to be owned again ahead of a Week 6 matchup with the Cowboys. Looks like it could be a shootout, folks. On the other side of the ball, this Jeff Smith character keeps getting targets for the Jets, 11 this week, but he had only 23 yards on the day. With Chris Hogan suffering from a high ankle sprain and Brashad Perriman no lock to return in week six, Smith could continue to see double-digit targets against the Chargers, but they probably won't avail too much. Joe Flacco didn't make many mistakes, but he also didn't really help the team stay competitive either. Jamison Crowder is the only startable Jet in fantasy right now. I guess nah, maybe Le'Veon Bell too, if, you, if you're feeling froggy. On to the next game, Jaguars at Texans. Jaguars lost this one 14-30. LaVisca Chenault, seven receptions, 79 yards, seems firmly entrenched as the number two option in the Jags receiving game behind DJ Shark, who actually left the game late with an ankle injury. I've been saying Chenault needs to be owned all season. 
before the season started and nothing's changed. He's still available in over 65% of leagues. Colin Johnson came in for DJ Shark, rookie Colin Johnson out of Texas, when he left the game and scored a touchdown. Johnson is a presence in the red zone for sure, but I don't trust him as a flex this week, even if Shark sits. His floor is going to be too low with him splitting snaps with Chris Conley, most likely. Keelan Cole, Cole, though, might be worth using in deeper formats. On the other side of the ball, Brandon Cooks bounced back after a goose egg in week four to post his best day of the 2020 season against the Jaguars. Eight receptions, 161 yards, and a touchdown. He's been pretty terrible in fantasy this season, but he's about to have a six-game stretch of soft secondaries. He's available in about 55% of the leagues right now. And so uh, that's speaking for Randall Cobb, too. There's going to be some easier matchups. They kind of had uh, a hard go of it thus far this season. Maybe Cobb is someone who you can pick up and flex in these ensuing weeks. On to the next game, the Bengals at the Ravens. Bengals lost this one 3-27. to T. Higgins looks like the number two receiver at worst. And since he these days, he's still available in about half of leagues right now. A.J. Green injured his hamstring on Sunday around halftime, but he'd only gotten one target up to that point on the day. It seems like the Bengals are phasing him out of the offense, and the injury only hurts matters for him. It's crazy to say it, but Green looks droppable in all but the deepest of leagues right now. That is crazy to say. On the other side of the ball, J.K. Dobbins had one rush for 34 yards on Sunday, a few receptions. The kid has talent, but the Ravens don't trust him. Mark Ingram, on the other hand, had a season-high 11 carries in a game that the Ravens were leading throughout. Gus Edwards played spoiler again with seven carries on the day. Ingram right now is the only startable Ravens back, which is also crazy to say. On to the next game, Panthers at Falcons, Panthers. Won this one 23-16. to 16. Curtis Samuel had nine touches on the day, four of them carries. Seems like the Panthers are trying to manufacture targets for him, touches and targets, as he's just not high enough of a priority in the passing game. That being said, Christian McCaffrey is probably one week away from returning, so I wouldn't depend on Samuel staying fantasy relevant for long. On the other side of the ball, Matt Ryan is trash without Julio Jones, we've realized by now. So let's hope. Jones can return in week six. Now that Dan Quinn is gone and Raheem Morris has replaced him, maybe the Falcons will open up the passing game a bit more. Either way, it looks like the Falcons are going to be trailing a lot from here on out, so roll out your Atlanta receivers. Lamade Zacchaeus didn't do much on Sunday in place of Jones, but he was very active on his routes and would be a decent flex option against Minnesota this week if Jones cannot make it. So it's fall, and in my bookie, that can only mean one thing. It's winning season. Winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means free bets, super contests, survivor, and more. In my bookie, winning season is all about your chance to win big. Bet NFL, Major League Baseball, UFC, and then some. The craziest sports fall of your lifetime is here. It's simple. Just make your picks, win big, and collect your cash. Invest in your intuition. Select from hundreds of future bets, or you can bet in games in real time with MyBookie's live betting. Put that big brain of yours to good use. Use promo code ROSTER 
and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. Thousands of cross-sport wagers, props, and parlays await. Sign up now to bet with the best and celebrate your victory. Your winning season begins today only at my bookie. Someone else's winning season began on Sunday, and that was the Dolphins. I mean, it was their second win technically, but they beat the reigning Super Bowl champions by scoring the most the most points that have been scored in the 49ers' newish stadium. Dolphins won this one 43 to 17. Preston Williams, four receptions, 106 yards, and a touchdown. Had his best game of 2020 against practice squad now starter Brian Allen of the 49ers on Sunday. I like to say we can take this effort and run with it, but it was mainly matchup based, so I'm not so sure. The Dolphins do play the Jets this week, so perhaps Williams is worth another speculative flex. Jordan Howard was a healthy scratch on Sunday, leaving Matt Breida to pick up the pieces behind Miles Gaskin. Breida finished with 10 low-yield touches on the day, and those 59 yards might make him worth a deep league flex against the lowly Jets this week and what is likely to be a blowout. On the other side of the ball, either Jimmy Garoppolo's ankle or his ego was hurting on Sunday, probably a little both, as he got benched after the half on Sunday, only for C.J. Beathard to come in and play much better than him. I wouldn't be surprised if Jimmy G sits this week against the Rams. His two interceptions were egregious and perhaps indicative that his ankle really isn't ready to go just yet. Jarek McKinnon. Only had six snaps on Sunday, playing behind even Jeff Wilson. Seems counterintuitive to not play your best passing down back in a game when you're trailing considerably, but I guess that's why I'm not an NFL coach. With Raheem Mostert back in play, it's hard to rely on any other San Francisco back going into week six. On to the next game, the Giants of the Cowboys. Giants lost this one 34-37 at the wire. Evan Ingram had a rushing score on Sunday, but just two targets otherwise. To his credit, Ingram has had a murderous row of defenses before the Cowboys, but he still only scored once on the year. If you can't make a dent against Washington this week, we're going to have to lower expectations for the rest of the season for our man Ingram. Golden Tate is getting targets, but he's not been able to do much with them. Low yield targets. He's unusable outside of PPR formats. On the other side of the ball, Dak Prescott's ankle injury is the thing nightmares are made of. I hope you didn't <laughs> happen to see it. It was, it was, it was severe to say the least. He's gone for at least the season now, having had surgery immediately after the game. Andy Dalton will take the reins, and though he's not the slinger that Dak is, he has the best receiving core he's ever had at his disposal now. He's worth streaming just to see what happens. And I expect the run and short passing game to pick up for Dallas. Dallas following Dak's exit, that is. So perhaps Tony Pollard and Dalton Schultz deserve to be added to rosters this week. Deep or, deep league rosters. CeeDee Lamb may end up leading this team in receiving. He might have anyway as a utility knife slash safety blanket for Andy Dalton over the middle. On to the next game, the Colts, the Browns. Colts lost this one 23 to 32. Phillip Rivers is playing some of the worst football of his career right now, just like I thought he would. But the Colts aren't going to sit him, at least not yet. Jonathan Taylor, T.Y. Hilton, and maybe Naheem Hines 
are the only semi-trustworthy Colts starters right now. Trey Burton, a tight end, has led Colts tight ends and routes and targets over the past couple weeks, despite Moeley Cox being the most talented option there. Jack Doyle is still getting targets, too. With such a muddled outlook for those tight ends, I can't advocate for any Indianapolis tight end right now. On the other side of the ball, Austin Hooper's targets have increased every week over the last three weeks, with him getting 10 targets on Sunday. The Browns leaning heavy on the run in short passing game to help out Baker Mayfield. Hooper deserves to be picked up in your league if he's been dropped at this point. Dearness Johnson had nine touches to Kareem Hunt's 23 on Sunday and looked serviceable all the while. Only 37 yards on the day, though. I don't expect him to be worth flexing against Pittsburgh this week. I would so say, though, one of the smartest things you can do in fantasy right now is download the Fantasy Life app. It's a free app. We use them for their news alerts and community. The Fantasy Life app sends breaking news alerts faster than anywhere else, and I can attest to that. They monitor thousands of reporters so you don't have to and send important news as soon as it breaks. You never miss a relevant injury, trade, or update. The Fantasy Life app also has in-depth reports and on-demand advice from a massive community. Download the Fantasy Life app for iOS or Android at FantasyLifeApp.com. On to the next game, the last game of the Sunday evening slate, Vikings at Seahawks. Seahawks managed to pull out another win this week. Vikings lost this one 26-27. Alexander Madison led the Vikings backfield in touches with 23 and yards with 120 with Dalvin Cook exiting the game with a groin injury. Cook returned for one play in the third quarter, though, so he may be good to go this week. And in either case, Madison needs to be added to rosters where he's been dropped. He would be an immediate running back one if Cook sits. Justin Jefferson had a middling effort in what should have been a big game for him against the Seahawks. For some reason, Irv Smith was getting the targets behind Adam Thielen in this game, but Jefferson should bounce back against Atlanta this week. So keep running him out there. On the other side of the ball, nothing really of note happened for Seattle fantasy-wise as the Vikings stifled their efforts for much of the game. But it does look like DK Metcalf is distancing himself from Tyler Lockett as the number one receiver in Seattle. That doesn't change much for fantasy, but perhaps Lockett's owners will be slightly more willing to part with him after these last two down games of his. Anyways, that's all I have for now for the fantasy fallout going to week six of the NFL season. Hope you're able to glean something from this that you can use this upcoming week in fantasy. If not, then I don't know what to do. Maybe you just come to rosterwatch.com and use some of the other tools that we have that can help you dominate your fantasy leagues from beginning to end. Anyway, on behalf of rosterwatch.com, this has been The Trash Man. Until next time. Be ready.